Hey, what's up? Mackenzie here. Today I am telling the story of my life as best as I can from beginning to end. And it's been a few days since I last recorded. I feel like I've lost a little bit of momentum, but uh, I'm gonna try <clears throat> to get back into it anyway. Um, so from what I can remember, last time I was writing, I was talking about um, daycare and some early inclinations and explorations sexually. And it's nice that at this point I feel okay with, with it. I the thought kind of makes me smile, um, whereas for a long time it was really shameful. Um, so that's kind of nice. I hope I can transform shame into sort of a loving um, pride for just figuring my stuff out. You know, um, but back to my childhood. The other day I was thinking about the TV shows we'd watch when we were waiting for the bus to come in the morning. <clears throat> and we'd watch this Alice in Wonderland show that had like a super trippy intro, I remember. And there was this funny feeling of like mild, being mildly entertained, you know, like maybe if I had had the choice, I wouldn't be super into it, but you just kind of, can, you can, you take into consideration your options for how you want to spend your time. And it's like, all right, like this is it, I guess, you know, like this is the best of my options, I guess. Uh, so you kind of go with it um, and kind of just, giving in to the, 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 the circumstances, you know, working with the options you got. <laughs> um, that's like a very particular feeling that I, it's funny to think how I don't really feel that anymore because I can kind of do whatever <laughs> I want for the most part. Uh, it's been my time as I please. I think it's actually pretty easy to take that for granted uh, as an adult. There were so many years, I think, where you were just waiting for the time when you could make some basic choices for yourself. Um, but we watched that Alice in Wonderland show. I remember really liking when this like ball, this like silver ball would come at the screen. Um, for some reason that really, I think that really delighted me. Um, there's sort of like a break in the fifth wall, fourth wall. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and the other show is Rock, which is wild. Um, I'm really glad I was exposed to like pretty like trippy content made by like stoners probably and a lot of 
a lot of media that was from like the 70s, like um, listening to records at my house and just getting, you know, even though I was born in the, in the, in the late 80s, it's cool how some of that other stuff like still was around and influencing my youth. You know, it's like I wasn't just like fully immersed in the most contemporary um, media like as a, a young person, it was this interesting mix of things that were around. Um, it makes me think of this really sweet, like kids album I'd listened to. I think it was called Rafi, Rafi. Uh, and not too long ago, I actually looked it up and listened to it. And it's really sweet. It's very um, wholesome and uh, kind of hippy dippy and, um, uh, great. Uh, so I look back at that pretty fondly and I'm glad that was part of the media that shaped me. I think I spend a lot of time thinking about media. I guess that makes sense with the work that I do. And I think it's led me to the work that I do. I'm very passionate about how the, like the content that we take in, how it influences our perceptions of the world and ourselves and I don't know, like what we think is possible. Um, it's really fascinating. And I like to see like my partner to see the kind of content that he was watching as a young person. And again, like some really trippy stuff. It's really cool. And you realize how powerful those exposures are early on. Um, so yeah, waiting for the school bus. School buses, wow, yeah. But uh, one of the formidable memories, well, it's very faded at this point, but I remember that there was this moment in elementary school very early, gosh, probably what, what first grade, um, where you're learning about counting and counting up very high numbers. And uh, there was this kind of like review day where the activity was that we took turns going up to these two teachers. I remember it's two women and I got a sense that they were really fucking bored and not fully paying attention. <laughs> and I think that that irritated me. <laughs> and the two of them are sitting down and kind of listening. Um, and I remember, you know, the two of them are like facing each other. Um, and then like, they're facing each other in front of me and I'm like kind of in the middle. And I remember a very competitive atmosphere. Uh, I really wanted to do, do well and I wanted to do better than my friends. And the way I told this story to myself for years is that I it was my turn to count and I was counting and 
I think I was slowing down or thinking or something. And the teachers were kind of like, okay, cool. Like prematurely cut it off and we're like, all right, great. So you stopped it, whatever this number. And I felt so uh, betrayed. I felt like I wasn't done. This this isn't the most that I could count, and um, and being like kind of upset about it. Um, and when it came time to compare results with my peers, being I think pretty honest about about it, but. I don't know. That had an impact. I don't know what, but maybe like a mistrust of the people evaluating us. And yet I I was always very interested in succeeding in school and doing a good job and getting good grades and understanding the rules of school and excelling within those boundaries. I think as an adult, I've met a lot of people who rejected these things and pushed against them. And I think that's really cool. I think that's pretty smart, actually. Um, And I kind of, I have a new, um, uh, an admiration for those people now. Um, Whereas as a young adult, or a teenager even, there was a bit of judgment um, for anybody who did not get in line and kind of get into the race, the rat race of of it all, the grades and besting each other um, and and succeeding within, you know, the the guidelines of um, the American education system. which I've since, you know, learned about how it is very oppressive and doesn't really fulfill the promises that it sets out to um, uh, accomplish for for young people and uh, becoming adults. Um, but I think as an adult, I've had the opportunity to question these systems and, and see how I can make a difference in the world and rethinking some of these structures and organizing principles and that's pretty exciting and I hope that I can actually have an impact in some way Um, but moving on from uh, elementary school I think like socially, I I was very like agile. I think that I was able to have friends in different um, social groups. And maybe I was never really fully in any of them. Uh, Maybe in middle school, elementary to middle school ages, being pretty receptive to all kinds of folks and not really keeping to one group very much. And 
there was this story from middle school years, I think, that my mom very proudly retells in which <laughs> um, we were on a school trip. I think it might have been our first overnight trip. It felt, it feels like that was the case. And it was to one of these places where it was like colonial New England reenactment stuff, churning butter and making candles and things like that. And I actually had a very formidable experience at that time where this is a tangent. Um, we actually did like a reenactment of the um, the uh, Underground Railroad, this sort of um, this like immersive experience of like what it might have been like to have to sneak through the woods in fear for your life um, uh, as a slave trying to escape to the north. And it was amazing. Um, I'd love to figure out what that program was and who, who, who thought of this? Cause gosh, um, it was just, I was just, it was just the perfect age for really getting into that experience and being able to be like ha to have enough imagination still to really be immersed in it and to feel, feel it. Um, and it stuck with me. It stuck with me for a very long time. Um, and yeah, so it was a very powerful experience. Um, and so then the, the story that my mom always tells is that there was uh, the kids were picking bunk beds or something or groups or something at this field trip. And there was a kid who wasn't super popular and she... Nobody wanted to pair up with her for something or other. And, and I did. And, and um, you know, I thought of her as a friend. I didn't think of it as some kind of act of generosity or anything. It just, you know, she needed a partner or bunk mate or something. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but the teacher goes to my mom at some point and tells me the story about how great it was. You know, I think maybe the kid... Um, what was her name? Like Elise or something. Um, I think she was maybe like a little bit shy and a little like goth, a little um, misunderstood by the other kids. And I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think my mom has always been really proud of that and my openness toward different types of people. And yeah, I remember going to different kids' houses and having very strange experiences of, like, their home life and seeing how they were living and, and maybe sometimes being kind of uncomf uncomfortable. What's that sound? Um, but, but not, like, judgmental, I guess. Um and I, I feel like I was always very focused on my connection to the person more than anything and whatever we had in common or whatever we were trying to do. 
because uh, I'm sure we had our own little adventures. Um, but I think in middle school, it was tough because I was never really fully a part of a group and kind of felt like an outsider in many ways, like always. Um, I remember um, like feeling like kind of liked by many, but loved by none. <laughs> Um, and a picture comes to mind. There were some school dances. There was, I feel like a lot of school dances and a lot of field trips to Six Flags. I guess at that point I was in a choir and had some, um, secret, um, uh, secret ambitions to be good at singing and to do well in the choir and, I don't think I, that went very far, uh, probably because they were secret. <laughs> but uh, and the and the choir is is what would go on all these uh, these these field trips. It seems like, and so this picture, um, it's a school dance, and I was really exploring my femininity and kind of doing the things that girls do. And it was pretty alien and intimidating for me. I, I didn't totally get it. Um, I think growing up, my mom was very uh, resistant to teaching me the ways of femininity. She wanted me to stay a child, not not concerned with such things, I think for as long as possible, but it kind of put me at this disadvantage where I felt really insecure about doing makeup or picking out clothes or um, uh, dress, dressing in the way that my female peers did or, um, putting value into certain like choices you know I didn't I didn't understand that stuff like I think Abercrombie was popular and certain like purses and things and I know now that they were kind of pantomiming adults and I just wasn't I wasn't doing that I didn't get it I wasn't interested in that but in this picture um I'm wearing this dress that I really, really liked. It must have been like some significant dance, you know, like the last dance of middle school or something like that. And it's this very pretty flower print dress. And I felt really pretty in it. And I think it was like a little bit expensive or like I really had to sort of commit to like, this is the dress I want. And like, like, please, you know, like make, make it happen, which I think was maybe unusual or a new thing at that age. And I had managed to grow out my nails. And I think for the first time I got like my nails done and that felt significant. Um, I think my nails and hands and cuticles and stuff have always been a weird 
um, focus of my um, kind of self uh, harm or self um, neglect or something like criti criticalness. Um, so that was kind of significant. And in the picture, I'm standing with my like good friend I mentioned earlier, Eric Kravitz, and um, it's just sweet. And I think like I really try to get my hair done and everything, maybe even my eyebrows waxed. Um, my mom really was always really going to the salon a lot. And I was pretty critical of that, probably more in high school. But, you know, she got me into doing the eyebrows and getting hair done, like basically like going with her to the salon. I feel like she's going a lot. And she for a long time. Um, for like the most of my childhood, she'd always be like changing her hair up, doing different colors, doing different cuts and styles. And, um, she did kind of bring me into that space a little bit. And I think I would get like, like, I think only one, like once I got a perm, once I got maybe my eyebrows waxed, that doesn't sound right. Maybe. Um, that was a time when kids were starting to really pluck the heck out of, a, out of their eyebrows. And maybe I did that a little bit too, but not too, um, extreme. And, uh, I think there, I think it was like, uh, bleaching my little upper lip area. Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember what it was like. Like I must've gotten my period soon. I think I got it like pretty average time. Like I feel like people get it like 16. I guess it's getting earlier and earlier, but I can almost remember it a little bit. But I think that's a good place to stop. Um, that's a, a story for another time. I hope this is making some kind of sense. I, I'm really not sure. Um, I feel like a lot of this is just retelling stories that have been told to me or stories, you know, like the memory is changing over time. And I just try to remember that our lives are just the stories we tell, this, the story we, we make. So I guess that makes it okay. And I'm curious about how all this really shapes the way I see myself today and how that is maybe more malleable than I normally think. Uh, so yeah, until next time, this is Mackenzie trying to remember their life in order. <laughs>